lot about returning to normal um, in the past few weeks. Now we can return to normal, right? I've said it, I think, twice this morning already. Nicole said it. Everybody has said it. This is what we're saying now, right? There's signs in the economy of this being true. I read yesterday that uh, man makeup manufacturers were really excited because lipstick sales had started to take off. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, women, how many of us have worn lipstick in a year in some change, right? That's one of the better things about the pandemic. <laughs> or movie theaters are reopening. Did you know you can go see a movie in a movie theater now? <laughs> if you did that before, <laughs> but they're back, right? You can go eat your popcorn in a room full of strangers and watch a movie if they, you so choose. And we have all been excited by the partial lifting of mandates, things that show us that there are signs of the world moving forward. We're excited about school graduations returning, about rituals like prom being possible. We're excited because things are returning to normal. And yet, they're not yet. They're not yet normal. Some of us are more than ready for everything to be just the way it was before. We're more than ready for everything to be the same as it was before. We're ready to return to what we recognize, to what we see, to what we know. Others of us don't ever want it to return to normal. We kind of like it. I was talking to a high schooler the other day who wanted to continue with virtual high school. He said it made him so much happier to be home doing his homework because he didn't want to deal with bullies at school anymore. And so some of us are ready. We're ready to go back, and others are not ready to go back, and yet we're still not in a place where even if we wanted to, we could return to normal. Yes, case rates are down. Yes, many people are getting vaccinated, which helps if they choose, but there are still those of us who know people who are dear to us, who are suffering, who are suffering today, not just from this virus, but from many things, and they don't ever want the world to return to normal. It's a tension, something difficult we're gonna have to navigate together. It's a delicate path to walk. You see, all the people who had gathered on Pentecost in that upper room, that's what they wanted too. All that those people wanted when they got to the upper room was for things to be normal again. Pentecost was the first major festival, was the first gathering of people in Jerusalem after the disruption of Easter. And Easter was nothing if not a disruption. People don't die and get resurrected every day. People don't come back and talk to their disciples after they've died and given them new messages. People don't come back and stand at a table and share fish and bread and sit at the fireplace after they've died. Easter was a disruption to the world. It changed everything. And all these people wanted, all they wanted on Pentecost was to go back to the upper room and to celebrate this festival that they've had for thousands of years. See, Pentecost, it means 50 days. It always falls 50 days after Easter. It always falls 50 days or the closest Sunday after the festival of Easter. It was an ancient Jewish tradition. It was called 
Pentecost because it was 50 days after the first fruits were offered to God. The first fruits that were offered to God, you know, the same first fruits that Cain and Abel offered to God at the very beginning of the Bible. This was an old, old, old story. And everyone in Jerusalem would have gathered in that upper room to celebrate because this was the first time they'd gotten to see each other. They'd gotten to be together. They'd gotten to celebrate and worship with God after they were scattered by Easter. After the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, Pentecost had become for them a celebration of the first five books of the Bible that changed it. It was a new festival, a new celebration. They would gather and they would read the first, the, they would stay up all night and read the first five books of the Bible. Go ahead and try that. And then they would celebrate by reading the Ten Commandments. Sounds like a party, right? But they were so excited. They were so excited about joining together in this tradition, this celebration. And God had different plans. God showed them on Pentecost that God didn't intend for the new church to return to their normal. You see, too much had happened within the community since the disruption of Easter. Too much had happened. People had been arrested and sent to jail because they believed in God. There were people missing from their numbers who would have normally been there. People had been arrested or they had died and they weren't there anymore. Those people that they would have expected to see in the festival. Too much had happened. There was anger and there was distrust among the disciples. They'd gathered together for the celebration, but there was too much hurt. There was so much hurt. You see, Peter and Thomas, after the resurrection, after Easter, stood and argued in the same upper room, in that same room behind that locked door about whether Jesus had been resurrected. They weren't, it wasn't a polite discussion. It was an argument. It drove a division between them. It separated the disciples. There was too much anger. There was distrust of the message because it came to the women first. Do you remember? The women go to the, to the tomb and meet that resurrected Jesus. And they go back and they tell the people in the upper room and they go, mm. I don't know if we can trust you. Why would God show up to the women first? There was too much distrust. And some of the disciples had never returned. They'd hidden, they'd gone away, they were too scared, or they were too angry, or they were too distrustful, or they'd found something else, and instead of engaging in the process, they just left. And too much had happened. And then there was the events of Pentecost itself. It turned the world upside down. A mighty wind filled the room, one that you can't deny if you've ever stood in front of a big box fan and tried to talk. It was one of those situations. The wind came. It knocked people over. It shocked them. It sent them away. The Spirit came, and it lit heads on fire. The Spirit came. It came, and it gone, and it spoke, and people heard for the first time voices they'd never heard before. People heard people speaking who had never had the power to speak before. The world had changed. 
It wasn't something minor. It wasn't a small change. It wasn't something that was different, just a little bit different. It was completely overturned. The disciples learned that morning that getting together didn't mean returning to normal. It meant being reformed in the image that God called them to be. They learned that morning that nothing was the same after. Nothing was the same after this Pentecost experience. You see, the Holy Spirit had moved. The church had moved. The Holy Spirit had sent God in a different direction. It had sent God's people in a place that they would be uncomfortable, and they didn't like it. But the Spirit had moved. And whether or not we are comfortable with that, the Spirit moving is a blessing, because that is the only way that things happen. I remember when I was in college, they, uh, in West Virginia, they decided to get into wind power. This was going to be the new thing in West Virginia. And so they built these giant wind turbines up on the mountains. And so this town, which used to have a beautiful vista, you know, sunrise, sunset, now had giant wind turbines <laughs> up on all these mountains, right? And we were going to power the country with these wind turbines. There was like 12 of them, I think. But you know what happened? The wind turbines never turned. Not once. You see, they put up these wind turbines and the wind never came. It didn't come the way they'd expected it to come because they'd turned the wind turbines the wrong direction. They were backwards. Because this isn't Iowa where the wind just blows all the time, right? It's not the Midwest in the Dust Bowl where the wind just blows all the time. It turns out if you're going to put wind turbines into West Virginia, you have to turn them the right direction because the wind only comes one direction. There was no wind, so there was no power. It's true. It is true. Nothing happens without the wind. I used to love looking at a big oak tree in our yard, and every time I passed it, I would look at this oak tree on the way to school. And then one day, I came out to go to school, and it had fallen to the ground, and I was upset. I said to my mother, what happened to the tree? What caused the tree to fall? And mom said, the wind. The wind came, and it blew over the tree. And now it's in a different place. We've become really good at putting a governor on the Spirit of God. We've become really good, rather skilled, at telling the Spirit when it doesn't line up with our desires, our choices. We've become really good at ignoring the Spirit when it doesn't feel like something that we would agree to. And the Spirit is strong, but it doesn't force itself on anyone, and it will only go as far as you allow it. And we're, we're comfortable with that, right? Because it's easier to run our lives on our own without the Spirit. It's easier to make choices without having to listen to the Spirit, isn't it? We like that. I mean, we can survive a long time without the Spirit telling us what to do. We're really good at pushing the Spirit off and keeping the Spirit at bay. All you have to do, right, is be organized, be nice, be civilized and careful, tell nice stories and play good music, and you're on your way with, you know, controlling the spirit. 
But there's only so much you can do without the spirit to turn. There's only so much you can do if your fan isn't pointed in the right direction. There's only so much you can do if you're not in the slipstream of the spirit pushing you along. The spirit is moving. And it calls all people. It calls all people to the font. And it calls all people to the table. And it tells us that we can catch fire for God. That if we're willing to listen to the wind move, then our heads will be caught on fire too. And then what could we do? What could we accomplish? The spirit is strong and it's dangerous and maybe it's a little out of control and maybe we'll make mistakes and maybe we'll go places where we're scared. Maybe we'll go places we shouldn't be and we'll have to turn around again. But the spirit is moving The Spirit spoke to those people gathered on that morning and spoke and said, come with me. I will go, I will give you power beyond measure, power to change whatever you want to change. Change the world, change your life, change your friends, change whatever you want. I'll give you that power, but you have to step forward. You have to open your heart. You have to point in the right direction. You have to listen to the voice which speaks. One voice, one church, one direction. Come, the Spirit says. Come and be different. Come and be other than you were before. Because the Spirit moves.